When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our central membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. The signals are telling me to doubt the current rebound in economic data. The reason is that seasonality is once again wreaking havoc with calculations in the Bureau of Labor Statistics. State of Signals starts right now. Hi guys, welcome back to Steno Signals. For the first time, we record out of the studio in Copenhagen, Denmark. I hope you like it, at least I do. Today, we go- we're going to spend some time on elaborating on the most recent very strong data that we've seen out of the US. Is it a true rebound that we see in economic data or is it a rebound orchestrated out of a spreadsheet in the Bureau of Labor Statistics? We're going to spend some time on seasonal adjustments today because I think they wreak havoc with the calculations in the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But before we get to that, I want to show you the chart of the week. The consumer is back. Um, The reason is that real wage growth is back in the U.S. Over the past five to six months, we've actually seen increasing wages relative to inflation for the first time in quite a while in the U.S. And I think that is a material game changer relative to the outlook that we had for the consumer just a couple of quarters ago. We also see the first emerging signs of a consumption rebound in the U.S. economy. We see it in the ISM services data for January. We see it in the PMIs released this week. The service sector is back with a vengeance, meaning that the consumer is likely also back spending. This is a really interesting development compared to what we saw towards the latter end of 2022 with weak retail sales, weak consumption data all over the place in the West. But January has so far been good when it comes to economic data and February as well. I think the reason is that we see a rebound in the purchasing power of the average household in the US with a landslide in natural gas costs, with a slide in energy costs overall, and with a increase in wages relative to the most recent pressure seen in prices over the past, say, four to six months. It also means that the average household is now able to spend more than just a couple of quarters ago. As we see from the chart here, the trend is now up again in real wage growth, which is a marked change of scenery relative to last year, where we had a almost a landslide in the purchasing power of the average household in the US. But we are now sort of back to trend when it comes to real wage growth. And that is potentially a game changer for the overall equity market sentiment. Since 
there is a quite neat correlation between equity returns and real wage growth. What you have in the dark blue line here is the real wage growth compared to a year ago. So the momentum in real wages, wages adjusted for inflation. When we see a pickup in the wage growth relative to the price development in the US, we also tend to see a pickup in equity markets after a while. And I think this is of relevance compared to the doom and gloom that we entered this year with, since this could also be an early hint that we actually get a positive surprise on earnings for the next quarter or two. Given that we've seen downwards revisions to earnings throughout the beginning of the year, this could also prove to be a game changer for the average corporate listed on um, the exchange. I think the reason here is that as soon as you see increasing trends in the purchasing power among households, you also tend to see a pickup in consumption with a time lag. Uh, and maybe January is the first sign of that. Um, we've seen stabilizing to increasing real wages almost since the late summer of last year. While it takes another while before we actually see the pickup in consumption data and ultimately in earnings and equity markets. Maybe this is the reason why we've had such a decent start to the year in global equity markets relative to the doom and gloom we entered the year with, or else it is driven by global liquidity that we've discussed over and over here in Steno Signals. If we look at retail sales right now, we see a very, very strong pickup in nominal terms. So if we measure the amount bought in nominal prices, then we get a very sharp pickup in the consumption overall seen in the retail sector in the US. January was a particularly strong month for consumption relative to the usual week season. But if we adjust it for inflation, the signal is not yet strong. Uh, I would assume that we see stronger retail sales adjusted for inflation as soon as this real wage growth is slowly but surely feeding through to the consumption um, among households in the US. But as of now, we mostly see this pickup in nominal terms uh, rather than just in, um, in inflation adjusted terms. But I warned you initially that this is not necessarily as strong a pickup in consumption and in demand as could be viewed from the surface. The reason is that seasonality is potentially once again wreaking havoc with the calculations from the Statistical Bureau. This chart is a very simple sketch of why seasonal adjustments are necessary in economic data. In January, for example, you typically have a weak spending season. You typically have weaker orders coming in uh, and so on and so forth. January is a weak month. So the Statistical Bureau will obviously adjust for this via a so-called seasonal adjustment method. All of the major key figures in the US are adjusted via the same method. Uh, it's called X13 ARIMA seats. 
Uh, it is developed by the Census Bureau. And what they do is essentially that they look at a 12-month centered average of the time series, and then they try to adjust for the seasonality relative to this 12-month centered average. They also remove outliers. So take, for example, a lockdown month with uh, collapsing demand, collapsing consumption. Such a month will be taken out of the sample just due to the reason that it is an outlier. What they typically do is that they look at a five-year horizon. So they look five years back to adjust for the seasonality. And given that January 2022 was driven a lot by the Omicron lockdowns, January 21 was also driven by COVID-fueled lockdowns, and the winter of 2020 was also at least partially distorted by uh, what happened in China uh, surrounding COVID. So three out of the last five winters, we actually have distorted data with a lot of outliers due to lockdowns, reopenings, um, and such economic events driving data to extremes. And therefore, the seasonal adjustment filter will simply just take away these observations. What does that mean when we look into... January 2023 numbers. Well, let me show a few cases. This is the running seasonal adjustment factor for the ISM service index. So this is the monthly gauge of the service sector sentiment in the US. Uh, and we have the business activity index and the new orders index on the screen. If you look at the seasonal adjustment factor for January 2023, it is basically a record adjustment factor. So when the adjustment factor is below one, it basically means that you take the index of the survey and then you divide it by this seasonal adjustment factor in the case of January 0.9 for new orders and 0.88 roughly for the activity index. It basically means that you bump up activity relative to the survey that you've made among service companies in the US. That's fair because in January, you typically have a weak season for new orders and for business activity. But the question is whether it is fair to bump up activity to an extent never seen before in the ISM service index. And that is essentially what happened in January. I think the reason is that the so-called outlier filter has sort of evaporated the observations in January 22, January 21, and January 20, potentially. Uh, and therefore, January 23 will look extremely volatile compared to the rest of the sample over the past five years. And therefore, the seasonal adjustment filter bumps up activity to a larger extent than seen in prior years. Is it fair that activity is bumped up even more than January 2022? where the US was hit by an Omicron wave of COVID? I don't think so. But that is essentially what happened to the ISM service index in January. If we try to deduct how big an effect you have from this seasonal adjustment relative to usual seasonal adjustment patterns, I think it's fair to say that almost half of the increase from levels just around 50 to levels above 55 in the ISM service index is driven by this extraordinary seasonal adjustment due to technicalities surrounding how January is treated from a seasonal perspective when you have 
a couple of outliers in the years prior in January. Therefore, even though we saw a strong comeback in January, I think that's fair to say, half of it is potentially manufactured in a spreadsheet for the ISM service index. Let me take case number two. The retail sales report out of the US for January was extraordinarily strong. But if we look beneath the surface of this report, we once again see extreme seasonal adjustments. This is a subcategory called um, eating out uh, at drinking places. So basically eating out, drinking at bars. Have we seen an increase in such activity in January? Well, not on the surface. We've seen a decline of roughly 4% relative to December. That's not unusual. Uh, we simply eat out less in January than we do in December. But we've seen an increase to this particular component of the retail sales report of more than 11% just due to the seasonal adjustment. So overall, we've seen an increase of more than 7% in this category of eating out relative to December when you adjusted for the seasonality. That is a bigger increase in the retail sales of this category than you would expect to see over the course of a year. Is this feasible? I don't really think so. So let's have a look at this seasonal adjustment once again. If we look at the methodology used by the Census Bureau and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, this so-called X13 ARIMA seats model for seasonal adjustments, and remove the so-called outlier filter, so we basically reintroduce January 22, January 21, etc., to the model, then we get an increase in retail sales adjusted for seasonality of roughly half of what we get in the method used by the Census Bureau. Once again, 50% roughly of this overall increase to this particular component of the retail sales basket was orchestrated or manufactured in a spreadsheet. Feasible? I don't think so. So even though we've had a strong January, everybody agrees on that. It is not as strong as it looks on the surface because we have plenty of issues with these seasonal adjustments. Uh, and I would assume that a lot of these trends will be reversed at the latest come March, as this is an issue relating to January outliers from earlier years and potentially also February outliers. If we had used my revised methodology to seasonally adjust, the retail sales, then as you can see from the red line on the chart here, we would have had a, um, a much smaller increase in the retail sales for January, um, maybe only half as strong as it was on the surface. And I think this is interesting to note when we look at current trends in the PMIs in the US, because we see a rebound. We've also seen a rebound in the service sector PMIs out this week, both in the US, in Germany, in France, no matter where you look across the West. It seems like the consumer is back, but we still need to watch these seasonal patterns because it is not fully true 
that the consumption comeback is as strong as it looks on the surface. But what happens when the service sector rebounds materially? Well, as you can see from the bar chart here, essentially every single subcomponent of the S&P 1500 equity index likes a rebound in consumption. Remember that the service sector is roughly eight-tenths of the overall U.S. economy. So when we get a rebound in consumption in overall demand patterns, it is essentially good news for right about every single subcategory of the equity index. Interestingly, we've actually seen a flatlining trend in equities, almost a small decline since last week. Um, so why are equity markets not cheering on the prospects of a consumption comeback? Either they've noted this seasonal adjustment issue or else we have other explanations to look for. One of them could be the global liquidity trends that we've talked about over and over here on Steno Signals. We've actually seen a pullback of liquidity trends through February so far. We've seen less dollar liquidity on aggregate. We've seen less buying of Japanese government bonds, so less positive tailwinds from the Japanese liquidity side. We've seen no tailwinds from Euro liquidity, and we've seen no tailwinds from sterling liquidity in the UK. So four or five out of the biggest six central banks have not added liquidity so far in February on aggregate. That is, of course, a game changer relative to what we saw in January and December, uh, where we had added stimulus from most of these central banks on aggregate. Um, even US and European liquidity increased due to technicalities surrounding how much liquidity local treasuries hold at central banks in Europe and in the US. But those trends have also sort of faded recently. Why we see this flatlining to slightly declining trend in global liquidity. And it, once again, it coincides with the actual trends in equity markets. We've seen a flatlining trend to a slight reversal of the positivity seen in January, alongside this weakening of global liquidity trends. So was that it? Was that it for the global liquidity comeback? I'm not so sure, but it was probably it for the dollar liquidity comeback. So if we look at the US part of the equation first here, we warned you or told you early in the year that liquidity will in, would increase as a consequence of the debt ceiling forcing the US Treasury to add liquidity to markets as they were not allowed to hold as much idle cash at the Federal Reserve. That trend remains intact for the next four to six weeks, but the market is mostly on top of it if we look at usual correlations between liquidity in the US and the S&P 500. So what you have on the chart here is the ongoing liquidity proxy in the light blue line. And then you have the S&P 500 in the dark blue line. Very neat correlation over the past couple of years here. But as you can see, liquidity in the US predicts S&P 500 to peak at roughly uh, 4,200 or thereabout, and we've been close to such levels. Now we're currently trading a bit below. But anyways, the market is very close to actually penciling in this 
exact liquidity increase from the US Treasury. The question is whether other parts of the world will save tr liquidity trends in the US after this liquidity injection from the US Treasury, because you can, as you can see from the dotted line, due to Fed QT and the reversal of these liquidity trends from the US Treasury once a new debt ceiling deal is signed, then, well, we are staring directly into a reversal of US liquidity trends towards the second half of the year typically negative for risk assets on uh, on aggregate. But could we receive game-changing trends out of China when it comes to liquidity? Well, I would rule that out. Uh, what we see right now is a um, set of key figures out of China breaking records when it comes to the credit creation on a monthly basis, but also the liquidity injections on a weekly basis from the People's Bank of China, the Chinese Central Bank. What we have on the chart here is the monthly credit aggregate in China. So the amount of credit created during a month, uh, and it broke a new record in January, um, or at least very close to, to, to all time highs. And I think this is a clear hint that the authorities in China try to orchestrate a credit fueled comeback to the real estate sector, but also to the broader consumption patterns in China. As of now, they try to push these very cheap consumption loans with rates around three to three and a half percent. But we've seen stories and rumors spreading around households taking up this um, consumer debt to pay back mortgages with higher interest rates. So for now, the credit aggregate is probably not as strong as they would like it to be in China. And I essentially expect the Chinese authorities to keep pushing on this agenda. We've also seen how the People's Bank of China, the Chinese Central Bank, has added liquidity uh, on a seven-day rolling basis to an extent never seen before in Chinese money markets. So we both have the Chinese Central Bank and the Chinese fiscal authorities trying to push liquidity into markets. And I think this is a potential game changer for the overall liquidity outlook in the, uh, in the world. This is at least an effect that will counter some of the negativity from veining dollar liquidity trends from April and uh, onwards. So we need to, to watch liquidity developments out of China since they hold the potential to actually give global equity markets a boost. But I'd like to leave you with a small warning. Despite this comeback in demand in January, even though it was at least partially manufactured in a spreadsheet, because even though we see rising PMIs, even though we've seen positivity surrounding equity markets so far this year, my early indicator of recessions is still sort of flashing red for the second half of this year. This is an indicator built on a very thorough study of lead lack patterns of some of the key economic variables in the US economy, the yield curve, credit spreads, housing markets, etc. And when we put it all together in a probability weighted model and adjust this model for the best fit to actual recessions happening in history, then we get a warning signal of in an above 50% probability of a recession commencing in Q3 2023 in the US economy. So 
currently we see a strong rebound in consumption. We see a rebound in equity markets, broadly speaking, since 1st of Jan. And we see a decent sentiment in equity markets relative to the doom and gloom we entered the year with. But I'm not sure that it is a story that will potentially last into the second half of the year. Rather, my best guess is that it will not. But for now, I think you can compare this current small rebound in consumption and the positivity surrounding equity markets compared to the positioning entering the year as sort of reminiscent of what happened in late 2007 into 2008. Not that I compare this potential recession with the 2008 recession, but it is very typical to see a small rebound in cyclical assets in consumption just ahead of the actual recession because a recession never arrives until no one plans for it. And what we could see from the beginning of the year was that everybody had already prepared prepared for a recession. And when everybody leans in such direction, it never occurs. So we need the positivity to gain momentum throughout this quarter and into the second quarter to be able to be surprised on the downside again in the economy. And that is when the potential recession could arrive. That was all for Sino Signals this week. I hope you liked my little tour into seasonal adjustment methodologies from the Census Bureau and the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the US. I will make sure to be on high alert when we get the key figures out for the US economy in February and March, since we should be on the watch for whether these seasonal trends, they reverse themselves. That could at least be a very interesting thing to watch for and potentially also something that could derail this um, otherwise positive mood in, uh, in equity markets. Remember that this is just a window into my thinking and my methodology. I cannot guarantee you that you have the same risk appetite as me. I cannot guarantee you that you have the same risk horizon as me. But what I can guarantee you is that I will be back again next week with all of the most important trends in global macro. Thank you for watching.